My Bible is open to the Gospel of John chapter 10, and I invite you to meet me there by turning on or opening and turning over a Bible to the Gospel of John chapter 10. While you're turning back there, let me echo the welcome to all of you. Thank you for being here this morning. I am thankful to be home with you. I appreciate your prayers over the course of the last few days as I was working with the church on the south side of Owensboro, Kentucky. It was a busy week, Sunday through Friday night, and I hope that we did some good. It was encouraging to be with them, but it is especially encouraging to be home with you this morning. And so thank you for singing the way that you have. Appreciate so much the good thought that Bradley put in to his song selections to get our hearts primed for worship and focused on what we want to talk about beginning from the Gospel of John chapter 10. If your Bible is open there, you can see in verse 6 that John tells us this figure of speech Jesus used with them. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. We've been talking a lot about doors since our vacation Bible school. We spent time several weeks ago talking about the nature of doors, what they do and how we use them. And it is the sort of thing that we just so easily employ day after day. How many doors, after all, have you walked through throughout even just this morning? Doors close, and when they close, they naturally create a separation and some doors lock because when we lock them we are looking to secure perhaps what is on the inside or confine what is on the inside from what is on the outside and if especially what is on the inside is precious or hazardous needs to be completely kept from those on the outside doors seal and by the very nature of their, their design, they exclude what is on the outside does not blend with what is on the inside. All of those things have their place, but what makes a door, a door of course, is that they open. And so even our youngest of ages during our recent vacation Bible school talked a little bit about that everyday figure. Here in recent years, we've really tried to get our young people thinking about things that they can see, mountains and trees and doors and, and noticing where those show up in the Bible and what we can learn from them. And so... A couple of Sunday mornings ago, we talked about the ark door, that sin is serious and God means what he says. He's, he's going to hold humanity accountable, but all the way back there in the days of Noah, God 
provided a door in an ark of safety. And the week after that, we spent some time talking about the Passover door. And we reflected from that second book of the Bible that our God is an awesome God. In fact, He's the one and the only God. And human beings created in His image defy Him at our own peril, but God provided a door. And so why did Jesus use this figure of speech in John chapter 10. We're going to come right back there to John 10 verse 7 where we heard Jesus say, Truly, truly, I am the door of the sheep. Let's build our way back there a little, trying to appreciate the context that John is describing for us. You have to probably turn a page or two before this. Go with me to John chapter 6. Nearly all of our time in God's Word this morning is going to be right here in John's Gospel. This is not the first time that Jesus said something like, I am the door. For instance, in John chapter 6, we can read about him feeding 5,000 men alone, plus women and children with just a very little bit of raw materials. And as you can imagine, that very much gets the attention of thousands upon thousands of people. But I want you to listen to what he says in John chapter 6. Verse 35, you see that in your Bible. John 6, verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You look down, same chapter, verse 48, as he is exposing this very real human tendency, well, I, I got your attention, but I'm afraid that you're following me not because of the words that I shared with you yesterday, but because of the bread that you ate. And, and here you are today again because you would like some more physical bread. But listen to what he says in verse 48 again. I am. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. Now, understand what he is highlighting there. Without the manna in the wilderness, they would have died a whole lot sooner. What do you do when you have several hundreds of thousands, if not Two or three million, perhaps, children of Israel as they are making their way from the land of Goshen in Egypt all the way over to eventually the land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. People get hungry. 
How many of you have been on road trips uh, even this summer and you've thought, okay, I would like by the time we get to lunchtime or supper time to be to mile marker X only to hear when you're 150 miles away from the back seat, Dad, I'm hungry. People get hungry, right? And God provided for them bread that fell out of the heavens. That was amazing. They ate that bread for decades. For decades, God provided bread for them in the wilderness. But Jesus' point is, listen, those people, your ancient forefathers, they lived, they really ate this bread. It sustained them on that long journey. But eventually, even people who ate bread that fell out of the heavens died. I'm talking to you about something even better. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Now clearly Jesus is talking about something beyond, greater than physical death. His good friend Lazarus experienced Death. The, the men and women around him, these apostles who formed his inner circle, eventually experience physical death. Jesus himself experiences physical death. But what he's talking about is a kind of spiritual sustenance, spiritual life, spiritual vitality. Listen, that physical death cannot quench. That's what he's trying to draw their attention to and he makes it as personal as he could possibly make it. What am I talking about? Verse 51, I am. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Hence this greatest memorial even that we have participated in today. He does it over and over again. I am. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that no one may eat of it and not die. What is Jesus talking about? He's providing spiritual life. If we turn maybe a page later to John chapter 8. This is not the first, this is not the only time that Jesus says, I am. In John's gospel. In fact, as we will see, and if time allowed, we could continue to see throughout John's gospel. It is a major theme. John chapter 6, I am. I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, you look with me at verse 12. I am, Jesus said to them, I am the light of the world. 
Have you ever thought about how precious that pillar of fire for the children of Israel in the middle of the Sinai wilderness would be? Some of you, darkness doesn't bother at all. Some of you have night lights in every room and every hallway of your house because you don't particularly like the dark. How much would it mean? Having followed that pillar of cloud by day, it gets dark in the desert wilderness. But to know, to wake up and be able to stick your head outside of your tent and see the light. To see a pillar of fire that represented the warmth, the presence, the the light, the illumination, the guidance of God. Centuries later, Jesus says, I am the light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus illuminates. Jesus guides. Stay right there with me in the same chapter, John chapter 8, and listen in with me. Verses 56 through 59. John chapter 8, verse 56. As this controversy with so many of the Jewish authorities is growing, Jesus says in John 8, 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Abraham was looking forward to something. So the Jews said to him, You're not yet 50 years old. They knew Abraham had lived 2,000 years before their day and age. You're not yet 50. Have you seen Abraham? What right do you have to talk about Abraham like that? Well, let's allow Jesus to tell us what right he said. He has. Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And they knew exactly what he was claiming. That's why they picked up stones. They were ready to stone him to death. Because you talk like that and you're elevating yourself. You're putting yourself equal with God. Before Abraham was, I am. What is Jesus claiming? Well, it is that prophetic title. Emmanuel. God with us. We could replicate it over and over again. I am in John's gospel. Let's go back to our key text in John chapter 9. We'll get a little bit of John 9 and jump right back into John 10. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. In John chapter 9, we've got 41 verses of controversy that lead us to John chapter 10. Because here's the question being wrestled with in John chapter 9. 
If He really is who He's claiming to be, does that mean Jesus has the right to address someone's sin? Sin is being talked about all over John chapter 9. Verse 1, as he passed by, Jesus saw a blind man from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind. Does Jesus have the right to address someone's sin? He answered. And he answered authoritatively. It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. God is going to do something in and through this man. And then notice the pronoun. We. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am. I am the light of the world. And there were plenty of Pharisees who didn't like that sort of talking. Verse 16, they said, this man isn't from God. He doesn't keep the Sabbath. Others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? They call the man that Jesus heals, the man who was born blind. But now somehow in John chapter 9, he is able to see. They call on him in verse 24, give glory to God. We know that this man, this Jesus from Nazareth is a sinner. When he starts talking like, well, all I know is I once was blind, but now I can see. They turn on him. Verse 34, you were born in utter sin, and would you teach us? They throw him out. All over John chapter 9 is this fundamental question. Jesus is doing incredible things. Jesus is saying incredible things. Does that give him the right to talk about somebody else's sin? Let's listen to him in verse 34. Do you believe in the Son of Man? That once blind man said, And who is he, sir? If he's responsible for helping me to see, show me where it is and I'll believe in him. Jesus replies, You have seen him. It's he who is speaking to you. This man who woke up that morning blind, now able to see, simple confession. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't know what tomorrow held. There were plenty of dots he couldn't connect, but he, he's ready to confess. Lord, I believe. He's ready to worship. And in response, Jesus says to him, And anyone within earshot, for judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him, they hear this and sarcastically say, Are we also blind? Jesus responds in verse 41, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now what you say, we see, 
you're saying that, your guilt remains. And listen, I understand if you're following along in the Bible, what happens next is you've got a big, bold tin. And it's really easy to think, well, okay, that was one thing. This is days or weeks or months or years later, some other setting altogether. John just continues. That big tin is simply there for our ease of reference. And this is the context of Jesus saying in John chapter 10 verse 1, Truly, truly I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. It's described by John as a, a figure of speech. Perhaps even more for you and me, not really as familiar. For these people, even if they didn't understand why Jesus is talking the way he is, they understand the figure. Shepherding is hard work. You're out there all day, out in the hills and the valleys, under the sun and the, the storm clouds. And as the sun sets, you lead your sheep back to the sheepfold, the, the, the pen. More often than not, there would be one big sheepfold outside of a city and all of the shepherds would put all of their sheep in that sheepfold. Someone would be entrusted to be the gatekeepers so that the, sheep, the, the shepherds could go in into the city, get a little bit of rest. As the sun rises the next day, what does the shepherd do? He approaches the gate. He's not a thief. He's not a robber. He's not going to climb over the wall. He approaches the gatekeeper. He calls his sheep. In fact, he calls his sheep by name. And if there are a hundred sheep and he's got 15 of them, those 15 begin walking toward him out of that gate. Why? Because he's their shepherd. They know his voice. A strange voice they will not follow. There are people there in John 10 who hear that figure of speech and they're not sure what Jesus means. And so he makes it clear. Truly, truly I say to you, I am. I'm the bread of life. You want spiritual nourishment? I have it. I'm the light of the world. You want understanding and wisdom and guidance? I am. Why should you listen to me? Before Abraham was, 
I am. And I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Could I leave you with three important connections? Open your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. Of all the ways Jesus could talk, of all the ways he could try and connect with and identify with us, why the door, the door of the sheep. Three important connections. Connection number one, in both the Old and the New Testaments, people are frequently compared to sheep. Our imaginations can run wild as to why or we can just allow the Holy Spirit to be our guide. Why sheep? Of all the ways that human beings could be described in both the Old and the New Testaments, why sheep? Let's lean on Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36 tells us how Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the the gospel, the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them because they were harassed. How are people very much like sheep? What's bothered you this week? What's been under your skin? What has distracted you? What has taken your eyes off of the throne of God above? What has discouraged you? What has felt like a really heavy burden that you're not sure you're able to bear? You see, you're a lot like A sheep. Old and New Testaments describe human beings as easily harassed. Whatever we build, whatever we accomplish, whatever we are able to do together, we have painful, frequent reminders of just how small and frail and temporary we really are. People felt that in the first century just as surely as they feel that in 2023. Jesus saw that. He saw people who were harassed. Listen to me this morning. You feel harassed by what is going on in the world. You feel harassed by what is going on in the lives of people around you. You feel harassed by what perhaps is going on in your own life in this season. Listen to me. You're in the right place. Not because of these bricks and mortar, but because we've gathered in the name of the shepherd. Who sees people harassed and helpless. Facing storms and tests and and trials that they know they are not adequate for. I need a Lord. I need a Savior. I need a friend. 
Jesus sees people who are harassed, helpless, and prone to wonder. What a powerful picture. That little lamb doesn't even know how much danger he's in. Doesn't even know how serious his straying can be in a forest full of wolves. But in that blurry distance, there's the shepherd running towards him. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them to the point of listen to how Peter puts it in 1 Peter 2 verse 24 he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds the wounds of the shepherd who was willing to put his life on the line for us the harassed and the helpless, and the straying. And by His wounds, we can be healed. (laughs) Make no mistake about it. You, I, not one human being is the hero of this story. You were straying like sheep, harassed and helpless. But Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the door. Jesus has made available the way to return. That's the rest of our context in John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not know or own the sheep. That person sees the wolf, leaves the sheep, runs away, and the wolf snatches them. And scatters them. Hired hands flee because they care nothing for the sheep. Jesus says, that's not me. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, he told those Jews in the first century, who are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be If you're a Christian this morning, you are a part of the one flock with one shepherd. This is the reason Jesus says the Father loves me. Because I laid down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Listen, don't just read over that this morning. Any of you, I can, you can, any human being can stand here today and say, listen, I'm laying down my life. Not one of us can or ever will have the authority to take it up again. But the bread of life could, the light of the world could, I am could. The door of the shepherd could. This charge. 
I've received from my heavenly Father. Before the gospel was done, Jesus would say, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. What's it mean to be the door in John chapter 10, verse 9? I'm the way. You want to get from this room into that hallway? There's the way. I'm the door. I'm the truth. You want to understand life the way it was meant to be? Don't listen to a self-centered, ignorant, fragile, frail, temporary human being. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. I want you to listen to me as we close very carefully. How many doors will you pass through this week? Some of you are about to walk through school doors. Maybe for the very first time. Maybe for the first time in seven or eight weeks. You're going to walk through school doors this week. Many of you will walk through work doors tomorrow. Some of you are already anticipate, anticipating walking through college doors here in just a few weeks. Some of you just recently or are very much looking forward to walking through the marriage door this week. The, the parenthood door very, very, very soon. Some of you are on the, the cusp of walking through trial doors this week. Some of you are still trying to adjust to life having walked through the widow door or the widower door. Some of you are, are living having walked through the divorce door. How many doors literally will you walk through this week? How many doors like that? If you hear nothing else, what I want you to hear loud and clear this morning John chapter 10, verse 9. Whatever the door, without Him, we can't enter. We're not saved. We're going to perish. But through Him is abundant life. Through Him and with Him and in Him, we can say, I am His and He is mine. I know Him. He knows me. What do you have? What could you ever hope to attain that is more valuable than that? And the very good news this morning is we're not talking to a closed, exclusive club of people. Jesus, the loving shepherd, calleth thee, calls you now to come. Do you hear his voice? Are you willing to leave 
the crowded world that has been ignoring him for a good long time? And are you willing to come out having heard his voice and confess just like that man? Lord, I believe. You ready to turn your back on sin? You ready to say, Jesus, I know you shed your blood because I was harassed and helpless and straying. And if you want me to be baptized in your name for the forgiveness of my sins, I'm ready to do that right here and right now, just like your apostles preached in Acts chapter 2. Jesus, the loving shepherd, is calling you now to come into the fold of safety. If we can help you in answering that call, would you let us know how we can help you by coming to the front of this room while we stand and sing together?